0: Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God.
1: This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to... Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. Your
0: hermitage of the heart.
1: Your monastery of the mind where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw upon the wisdom of the saints to help us navigate this tumultuous life. And boy, is it tumultuous. This is a tough time for the faith. We need saints. We need to look to the saints because many of them live through way worse situations than we did. Right. Right. I don't know. You know, I think we're going to find out about a saint today. What do you think?
0: I think so. And we're all called to be saints. You what? too, Danberg, are called to be. A saint.
1: That's not possible.
0: And if you are listening to this, you are called to be a saint. Raise your hand. Check your pulse. Not That's possible. you. It's not yes, possible. it is. It is. It is. With huh? the Lord's grace, all things are possible. You know
1: what's great? I always love this idea. And there are what? Who are the only people in heaven? Saints. Right. So either you, you get. Well, one go to hell, which is bad. But let's just say you, you're not going to hell. The other options are purgatory. Like, who wants to do that? <laughs> right? I, no, yeah. No merit suffering. Like, give it to me now.
0: No, you're right. And, let, let burn it off of me now, so right. that I can go be home. I just want to be with the Jesus Father when right? I die. Yeah. So, who's our yeah. guest? <laughs> our guest today is Eric Sammons. He is the editor in chief of Crisis Magazine. He is also the author of eight books, including his most recent, "The Jesse Tree," which you might remember. We had an uh, interview; we had him on the podcast discussing the uh, "The Jesse Tree," an Advent devotion um, that was co-written with his wife Suzanne. Right? Okay, I pronounced it right. You just did. Checking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Welcome great.
2: back, Eric. It's great to see you. Hey, it's great to have to be on. And uh, yes, you did pronounce my wife's name correctly. Most people get it wrong, so. You get points for that. <laughs> okay, awesome. Good. good.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, we have a saint that we want to talk about today. Uh, um, that uh, there's it, it, it's it's an he's an interesting guy, I think, because he's a modern day saint. Modern, I think you would call him modern. Um, and his name is Saint Jose Maria Escriba. Did I uh, pronounce it right, or is it Escriva?
2: I pronounce it like you did, Saint Jose Maria Escriva.
1: So it must be right if you pronounce it like I do. It must well, be right. I pronounce a lot of things wrong. <laughs> but yeah, but if we agree, we're good. That's so, right. Uh, exactly.
0: It is Escriva.
1: Oh, it's es- Okay, so my wife is Espanola, Spanish
2: speaking. <laughs> Saint uh,
0: Jose Maria Escriva. So there's the that. accent. There is an accent I, I struggle with it.
2: English. I struggle pronouncing English. So don't put on other languages. I'm so really you, out of in trouble. So you
1: should be editor of Crisis magazine. That's then, right. You yeah. <laughs> but you wrote a book called Holiness is for everyone. Uh, and the subtitle is "A p- practical guy, a practical spirituality of Saint Jose Maria Escriva. Why how did you run across uh, Saint Jose Maria.
2: Well, it really this book came out of my own personal experience. Uh, a number of years ago, I was living in the Washington D.C. area. I was working as a computer programmer. I had my own software development company, and uh, and I was struggling with the whole balance of life mm. and work, family, and trying to be holy, and this, this is the spiritual life. And in my mind, I I felt like my work life was opposed to my spiritual life, meaning my work was keeping me from growing in holiness. Mm. And I had this group of guys I, I was friends with, still I'm friends with them. I, I moved out of the area, so I don't see them as much, but dads, big Catholic families like I had. And we, they all had secular jobs, for lack of a better term. Uh, Washington, D.C. area, we all work somehow connected to the government in general as contractors or subcontractors or directly. And all of us, when we get together, we usually get together to play poker, but we talk about these things. And all of us had this exact same feeling that our work was keeping us from being better Catholics, from becoming more holy. And about the same time, I saw uh, Scott Hahn was talking, who was my former professor, friend of mine, and he was talking about Opus Dei and St. Jose Maria Escriva. And and it kind of was like, hey, this guy sounds like he might have something that could help me. He might have a message that might help me. And sure enough, that's exactly what it was. I started reading his works, but also his life. And I realized this was literally his mission was to help lay people, particularly with the whole work-spiritual life balance of seeing work not as an obstacle to holiness but actually it's the means that god gives us Hmm. to holiness along with family life of course as well but it's the means that god gives us to become holy so that was really was my introduction to him and i realized wow this guy i really like so i introduced him to my friends as well we all liked him and so uh, eventually then i was like i want to write a book about this because i feel like even though opus day is is well known St. Jose Maria's actual message is is, is less known to the
1: Interesting. world. Interesting. Now, for full disclosure, you're like a 39th degree Opus Dei member,
2: right? I have sacrificed many kittens and... Um. <laughs> No, I am not actually not a member at all of An Opus Day does not do that. Oh. <laughs> at least Wait, as far as I know, I'm not a member. What do I know? Wait,
1: do you know an albino
2: monk? An albino assassin monk. I like to joke like there are no monks in Opus Day. there are no assassins in Opus Day, but there might be an albino or two. I don't know about <laughs> that. Right, right, right. So ninety thousand members. I'm sure there might be one or two, but I am not a member of Opus Day. I'm not I'm on any level. I remember i did when i lived in dc there was an opus day uh group there and i would go to the monthly nights of re- evenings of reflection i went to an opus day retreat once uh but i never it, you know it's kind of funny their their uh their stereotype is they're very aggressive recruiters stuff like that they never oh, asked gosh. me to join
1: no they're they're not aggressive at all right yeah. i mean that, i thought maybe they didn't ask the me just because it me. was
2: me you know but you yeah. know they, they didn't even ask me to join if i wanted to I'm, and i asked i they probably would have been like okay let's talk about it uh but yeah so it was very much uh I, i'm not a member and that's kind of was my point of writing the book is i felt like all the books i read by him or for him about him were really in the opus day world like you had to almost be a member of opus day to know about them they're published by the opus day publisher and that's who it was promoted to and so the average catholic didn't really know much about this but his spirituality was not for just members of Opus Dei. That's a, that's a distinct call that somebody might have. It really was for literally everybody. I mean, he wanted he wanted his spirituality to help anybody and everybody. So that's why really the reason for the book was like, I wanna introduce him to non-Opus Dei members like me.
0: So I, I also find him incredibly practical and I've, I've read The Way and, and some of his um, works and found them to be amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about the layout of the book? One of the things that I noted was you at the end of each book, there's each chapter. Sorry. At the end of each chapter, you have a read, meditate, pray and contemplate. So it's almost like this could be like a month long retreat in and of itself or maybe less, maybe not a whole. I mean, there's nine chapters, but. I just really love the way it was laid out. I think it's, it's super practical. It has meditations, reflections in it. Tell us a little bit about why you designed it the way you did.
2: Yeah. So what I wanted to do was first, I just want to make sure people establish, yeah, you are called to be a saint. So I start with that. Just, yes, this is for you. I literally mean everybody when I say holiness for everyone. And I also wanted to introduce St. Josemaria. It's not a biography of St. Josemaria. I have one chapter that basically gives, in a nutshell, his life story, which is interesting and fascinating. I would encourage people to read full biographies of his life. But then I wanted to give the foundations of his spirituality, because typically every saint... When they have a spirituality, I mean, certain saints have spirituality. Uh, St. Saint Francis, St. Saint Dominic, uh, St. Ignatius Loyola, St. Therese, uh, Teresa of Avila, people like that. They have spiritualities, and St. Jose Maria did too, but they're based on certain foundations. And so, for St. Jose Maria, for example, one of his foundations is this idea of that we are divine filiation, which means we are children of God, sons and daughters of God, mm-hmm. and that we look at God as our loving father and that we really take that seriously like we all pray the our father we all talk about god the father but he really wants us to radically understand that we should look at him as a loving father and so when we start get late and the reason i do this cuz later when we're talking about the practical spirituality some of it's hard some of it's very um kind of regimented regimented and, and 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 difficult and you go through it and it's like you can get to a, a you can go into it like, okay, here's my duty. I have to do this. Almost like I'm a member of the military. I do this. Or you can go into it like, I'm a son of God and I want to please my father. My father's like, hey, I would like you to do these things because this will make you more like me. And I do that out of love. So I I have the foundations in the first part of the book, the first few chapters. And then the second part, it's a breakdown of the practical aspects of actually doing his spirituality because that's the, the, the key is the practical spirituality of it and so yeah and in every chapter i really want people not i mean they can't they want to but it's not a book i intended for people to breeze through just kind of read it through like you like you read a biography or, for example it's more a matter of okay understand this this message of this chapter meditate upon it think about it then go to the next chapter, but but get that foundation. So it does build upon, each chapter kind of builds upon the, the one before it. So another thing, I wouldn't want people, I don't think people should like pick, okay, I'm going to do chapter seven and just read that one. Because you might get some of the outward benefit, but you're not really seeing underneath the what St. Jose his life was about and what his founda- theological foundations were for why he's saying do this or do that.
1: Very good. Well, before we jump into you know how how to do it and the book we're talking about today is holiness for everyone it's the spirit about the spirituality the practical spirituality of saint jose maria Escriva. before we jump into that um why is what's unique about him as a modern saint we have about a minute before the break but maybe we can cover that and and if we need to after the break as well
2: so he was, first of all, he was born in 1902. So he was a 20th century saint. He died in 1975. Uh, so I actually, my life coincided with his somewhat. I won't say how much, but it did somewhat. And so he's modern in that sense. Obviously, he's a 20th century saint, but also he had a very modern mentality in that he understood how wh- the direction the world was going. And so he wanted to, he understood how busy people were getting with a lot of noise. And so he wanted to give us practical means. How do we still grow in holiness in this busy world? I often say, if you've ever read The Way, I mean he's perfect for Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he would have the brief statements, yeah. Right. He he just makes these beautiful, profound statements in less than 240 characters often, or whatever it is. And so he's almost like made for us in today's world, our very inundated world. He he gets through all that crap, so to speak, and says, Okay, how can we stay focused? in the midst of all this craziness that we have in the modern world
1: perfect so when we get back from the break we'll be continuing our conversation with eric sammons uh, the foreword of the books by scott hahn and the title is holiness for everyone the practical spirituality of saint jose maria escriba published by sophia institute press we'll be right back
3: Discover more and apply today at abalidash dot org.
1: This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio. We're talking about talking with Eric Sammons about holiness for everyone. And you know, Steph, you really need this, so you might want to ask him <laughs> a lot of questions.
0: Yeah, I do need this. I need to be holy. Yeah. Um what I what I loved before the break, Eric, you were talking about the the that Hosea uh, Saint Hosea. Maria Escriva, sorry, Jose Maria Escriva, I'm Hispanic and I can't say it, (laughs) how he really understood where society was going, the busyness of life. Um, He could kind of see the writing in the wall. So he wanted to help families, individuals become holy within that context. And and I'm seeing that all around. It's just gotten to almost a fever pitch, the busyness of life. And families are, uh, you know, kind of just breathing air through a straw underwater and they're trying to stay above it and they have a desire to be holy and they just don't understand how do I ha- make this happen in the course of my normal every to- everyday life and challenges and difficulties. And, and so I'm, I love that that's where his spirituality is. So how does he help lay people in particular Grow in holiness? What was his focus there?
2: So he had a few different focus, uh, foci, I guess you'd say. One is the idea of being a contemplative in the midst of the world. So St. Jose Maria had a great respect for contemplative nuns. We think of contemplative, or, or, or rather, uh, somebody in contemplative life, a monk, a nun, something like that, where they live outside of the world, so to speak. They do not have interaction with the greater world. And that's a beautiful thing. I've always believed they're, they basically are the foundation of the church, keep us from completely falling apart. And so he had great respect for that. But he, he also recognized everybody really is supposed to be a contemplative. It's a, it's a scary thought. People don't think of themselves. Most people don't think of themselves as contemplative. That's somebody who prays all day. But his idea was, no, you are called in one sense to pray always, to pray all day. And so – He really wanted us to to consider the idea that we're contemplatives as well, even in our busy lives. So obviously some of that would be that you set aside time for prayer and that that's the foundation. If you're not doing that, you can't do the rest of it anyway. So you're spending an hour a day in a space that is dedicated for your prayer life that you're focused, you're not interrupted by anything, no no devices, all that stuff. So he wouldn't have known about devices yet, but he would definitely have said no devices. And so that's one thing. But beyond that, your whole day needs to be touching air times of prayer. So for example, let's say you just work a nine to five job at the office so you would do little things. like For example, you might have a crucifix sitting on your desk. You would have certain times, like, for example, say the Angelus. It's noon. You say the Angelus. You might have to say it interiorly because you're in an office situation where you can't say it exteriorly, for example. Uh, you might say other uh, ejaculations throughout the day. You're doing these different things. That So your day, you never go this extended period of time without directly saying, okay, I'm offering this up to you, God. I'm doing this for you. So this idea of contemplative myths of the world is very important. But then he also, though, in, and this is particularly the, the, the key point, is the work. Everybody has work they do. And so just to be clear, I'm not talking about paid work. So the stay-at-home mom, for example, her work is maintaining the home, taking care of her kids, all the things that make up that life. So when I say work, just want to make sure people are clear. It's not necessarily paid work. But we all have work that we do. A student, for example, has work. And so he really wants us to recognize that that work needs to be offered to God. And the image I love the best is he talks about the priest has their altar where they offer up the the, the sacrifice of the mass. We all have altars. So for example, the computer programmer, his altar is his, his desk at work. That's his altar where he's offering up his work to God the the stay-at-home mom the diaper changing table might be her altar wow mm-hmm. and you're offering up and so for him the idea of excellence in work and some people kind of thought he was a little bit obsessive about this like you really want to do excellent work in everything you whatever your work is you do your best because you're not doing it for your boss you're doing it for god so what this does and this was what i was talking about earlier with with some of my friends Some of our work that we did felt meaningless. Like I said, I was a subcontractor for a contractor of the federal government. That's not exactly something that you're just like, wow, I'm really changing the world here for Christ because I did like I did software development and it was for like this, um, the highway administration, something like that. Yet what St. Jose Maria was saying is that. Is the way you grow in holiness. You offer that up and you do that work for God directly, not for some government bureaucrat, maybe who might be using it. And that really then transforms your daily life. Because now it's like when I'm doing my sitting there doing my computer program, whatever the case, whatever it is you're doing, it just it, it's it's a means of holiness. And so that would I would say that's kind of the two major things the, the most I think of is the contemplative myths of the world. And then your work being your your path to holiness.
0: That's really beautiful. In, in fact, it's an interesting timing on this interview with you. We just had a conversation with a, a beautiful couple recently. And you know, he had some concern about the intensity of his work and wanting to be holy in it and, and wanting to ensure that his work didn't become an idol. And what I'm hearing from St. Jose Maria Escriva in his approach to this is that your work will th- becomes a shifting from an idol to an offering. Right. So you got to work and, and you're at the altar of your work and that altar transforms your work that could become an idol into an offering. And then the Lord blesses that and multiplies it. And it becomes a means of your sanctification rather than your damnation and your downfall
2: right? Because it goes against kind of both extremes that we can have with work. One is uh, it's in a sloth that we just, if we have a somewhat meaningless job, we don't take it seriously. That's not a good thing because that's not offering up your best to God. But also on the other side, the workaholic, which a lot of Americans particularly fall into, that's also an extreme it, it protects against because if you're offering up to God, God is not asking you to put work ahead of your family. (laughs) And so if you're offering your your excellent work to God, well, then you're you're not going to be working until 10 o'clock at night if you don't have to just because you're trying to get ahead and make more money or something like that, because you're not doing it for the money, you're doing it for God. So it really does help uh, mitigate against both those extremes that we can have in our work life, which I really like. But it is funny because so one of the criticisms against Opus Dei is they often it's like the the rich, the successful stuff like that. Well, part of that is because they're so focused on telling people do your best work, and if you do your best work, it's not like it's prosperity gospel where all of a sudden you you work you know uh, you you follow God and you'll get rich. But often, if you do excellent work, you will get uh, promoted, you will get raises and things like that. But the beauty is that's not why you're doing it. You're just doing it because you want to do excellent work for God. And if these other benefits happen, great. And if they don't happen, that's okay too.
1: You know, it reminds me of the passage in um, St. Paul in the New Testament, do everything as if, you know, for the Lord, which is really, you know, probably one of the passages that was a big thing for him. One thing you mentioned on the fly uh, that I think is foundational to all of this and I suspect to your life is, if we have a time of prayer with the Lord, that always occurs, always is kind of the compass for the day. That really lets, lays the groundwork for being able to pay attention to Him during the day. And and I've I frankly have never met anyone who, who without a, a prayer time, you know, that specific, then had the ability to pray you know, at all times, or even pray frequently, you know, during work, how important is daily mental prayer in his spirituality?
2: It's, it's foundational. Like you said, it, he has what he calls the plan of life that he encourages everybody to have. And so for example, the plan of life begins the moment you wake up, he Mm -hmm. calls it the heroic minute. I I love this idea. Yeah. So your alarm goes off. Most of us do not want to get up. Our body is resisting. It wants to go back to sleep this is a first mortification that we can offer up to God in the day. And it's a beautiful mortification because it's not unhealthy in any way. It doesn't harm the body. It's actually good for you. And so that's your first moment. That's your heroic moment where you, you get up, the alarm goes off, you hit it, you get up immediately. You don't like staying better than that. And then you make your morning offering. So right there at the beginning of your day the first thing you do after you get if you sit up maybe to to wake up you either make your morning offering and there can be different morning offerings that you can uh use but then you do then have also that hour of prayer day and i i I do emphasize the word hour and i know some people might not be there yet that's fine you work up to it but really i think San jose maria just joins the 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 mass of spiritual directors and saints who would argue that typical person should have an hour a day, that you're you're focused on that time of mental prayer where you're really conversing with God. And he would agree with the other spiritual masters who would just talk about, you might start with spiritual reading, you know, various things. It might be a little different for each person depending on what spirituality connects with you the best, but, but you have to have that. And then everything else goes at. And I I think St. Maria made made it very clear that if you don't have that hour, that that time of mental prayer every day, then your foundation just doesn't exist. And you, you, like you say, you're not going to remember, (laughs) you're not going to be thinking about God throughout the day. If you, if you weren't conversing with him uh, first thing in the morning. So, yeah, so that was all part of a plan of life. And then also he would recommend on a regular basis, you have, Evenings of reflection, that's why Opus Dei holds monthly evenings of reflection, and also annual retreats. So you have these times where you're every day, yes, you have this hour, but even that's not enough. You also want to have maybe once a month, you do a little bit more, and once a year, you hopefully have a a weekend or week-long retreat, because we just need that. We're Our fallen nature and the way the world is, it's beating down on us, and it's just like an athlete needs daily daily exercise but then he has more intense times as well the same thing is true of of the spiritual athlete
1: perfect i love that heroic moment i like to say saints don't have snooze buttons (laughs) they just don't exist for the saint because you don't worship your bed you worship god and if you worship your bed that that god's not going to save you Um, but there is one who can and will if we orient our compass to him every day you really should get this book, Holiness for Everyone The Practical Spirituality of Saint Jose Maria Scrivan by Eric Sammons, published by the great and marvelous publishing house Sophia Institute Press, who's doing such an amazing job. Uh, Eric, thanks so much for being with us and thanks for working so hard at Crisis Magazine and all you do to help advance the kingdom of God through the t- truth of the church.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I really I love talking about who's Jose Maria, and I just encourage everybody to uh, pray every day. I mean, obviously, buy the book if it's going to help you, but more importantly, just pray every day. <laughs> Amen. Awesome. Amen.
0: Until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.